You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So it's about 12.30 p.m. Central Time this past Saturday at Memorial Stadium in Champaign, Illinois. Michigan scores a touchdown to go up 28 to nothing on the Illini, and the route is on. It is a roll-up and a throw to the end zone to Eubanks. Touchdown, Michigan. 27-0 Wolverines. After the touchdown in the PAT, Wolverines kicker Jake Moody kicks the ball off to the Illinois 11-yard line, where it's returned by Chase Brown for a modest gain. Fielded on the 10-yard line by Brown. And up to the 26. Brown catches the ball, runs it out to the Illinois 26. It's a completely unremarkable play in every respect except one. Illinois had not announced until just two hours before Brown returned that kickoff that his NCAA transfer waiver had been approved. Brown had been waiting for six weeks on word from the NCAA as to whether he'd be eligible to play at all this season. I'm, I'm just, I, th- I think I learned about it as soon as Chase learned about it. That's the voice of Rachel Brown, Chase's mom, who says that she and her family were given the good news on Friday. So it wasn't it wasn't a whole lot of 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 preparation for him. I think he had sort of he had sort of just settled into the fact he was just going to redshirt the whole year, wasn't going to be able to play. Um, Good morning, it's Wednesday, October 16th, and you are listening to the College Football Daily, dedicated to catching you up on and breaking down the day's college football news all within 15 minutes or fewer. My name is Connor Tapp, and I'm joined today by 24-7 Sports College Sports Editor Trey Scott, who called up Rachel Brown, Chase Brown's mom, and also talked to Jeremy Werner from IlliniInquirer.com for this story on a really interesting uh, transfer situation here. Connor, yesterday was the one-year anniversary of the transfer portal. We yeah. devoted an episode to it. Yeah. And I thought I thought about how we spent almost all summer talking about the transfer portal. And especially the uh, transfer portal waiver requests and, and who gets denied and who gets approved and talking about Tate Martell eligible immediately. Well, Luke Ford at Illinois isn't. And Luke Ford... You know, moved home to be closer to his ailing grandparents. And so, and we talked about Brock Hoffman at Virginia Tech. And it, didn't that seem like that was sort of the the talk of the offseason was who really knows who's going to get approved? Yeah, it, there was a moment where it seemed like, oh, we just have free agency in college football now. And then the decisions became more and more erratic. And there's an information issue in play here where the school, the NCAA can't just come out and say, well, we denied this player's request for X, Y, and Z reasons because there are privacy laws in place prohibiting them from doing that. And that makes sense. You want to protect the privacy of these student athletes. But a side effect of that is I don't think anybody really understands what the rubric is for determining whether a player who has asked for a request to who, who's transferred and wants a waiver to play immediately, whether that decision is going to be a yes or a no. Yeah, and 
not shocking that in the case of the NCAA, that decision can sometimes take a little bit longer than you want it to. Chase Brown was not on my radar as someone whose transfer appeal we should watch. Like he wasn't getting the news headlines of a Luke Ford or Brock Hoffman. But where was he transferring from? So Chase Brown was transferring from Western Michigan, where as a freshman last year, he was the number three running back on the team, had 352 yards on 71 carries. That's an average of five. And he's headed to Illinois, where his twin brother Sidney's on the team. And Illinois, they were just got crushed as far as running back depth this season when Mike Epstein, one of their best players, suffered that week one ACL tear. Well, while this is all happening, Chase Brown's waiting to hear from the NCAA on whether he's going to be eligible this season. And Chase Brown, on Saturday at 10 a.m. or 11 a.m. Eastern time, Illinois announces that Chase Brown will be eligible to play in the game against Michigan one hour later. <laughs> That's so, wild. So we've got a guy who all of a sudden is ready to play after spending six weeks not yeah. thinking he's going to play. Right. And I reached out to the mom, Rachel Brown, and the situation is a little bit complicated. She's in Canada. Chase spent the last two years of high school playing high school football in Florida. So she's obviously talks to Chase all the time, but she wasn't you know, intimately involved in the details of, of the, of the tr- waiver appeal. She didn't write the letter, so to speak, right. for the appeal. But... She does confirm, and we'll roll a few clips in a little bit, she does confirm that the basis of Chase's waiver, in addition to his brother being on the team, was that Chase had gone to Western Michigan to be a pilot, to study aviation. And he gets there, and they tell him that the football scholarship will not cover the cost of the aviation classes. Mm. That's $60,000. So, and as Rachel says in our interview, Chase wants to be a pilot, not sit in the control tower. And this is presumably, I feel like this isn't something like you get on campus and you like meet with your guidance counselor and you're like, I think I want to be a pilot. It feels like maybe you, you know going in yeah. that you wanted to be a pilot. Not only did he know going in, the family was under the impression that this would be no issue. Aviation uh, classes would be covered. Wow. So this is a little different. Yeah. This is, we've got a lot of layers here. Not only do we have someone who took them six weeks to decide, we've got, and the family finds out on Friday night before Saturday. So it's, you know, 24 hours ahead. It takes them six, six games to decide. And it's a pretty compelling case to be eligible immediately. Right. That I'm not saying you were misled, but you weren't really, you kind of didn't get what you were coming to play for. Right. Because otherwise, Chase says he would have just gone to Illinois with his brother, Sidney, who's, who's a sophomore on the team. So we've, what we've got here is it's, it's, it's pretty interesting. And I think it's a slam dunk. This is why he would be approved to, to, to be eligible. I just wonder why the NCAA took six weeks. Yeah. I mean, not to speculate, but I, you do wonder with the transfer portal being open, and, you know, I think we all agree that it's good. It's a net positive. But with more people transferring now than before because you've reduced some of the barriers, like there's a real increase to the administrative burden of like looking at these cases, collecting the facts that you need and making a judicious decision on them. Yeah. And she, she does even mention, I, I asked her, I said, do you think this is a complicated process? 
And Rachel brings up Luke Ford, a teammate of Chase's at Illinois, mm. who was in the headlines, you know, this summer when his uh, waiver got denied and then his appeal got denied as well. And, you know, she's like, morally, I think Luke Ford should be eligible. I know when, when, when the, like the waiver was granted for Chase, a lot of people were talking about sort of other situations where, you know, ideally other people should have got a waiver and, and for really good reasons um, and didn't, you know. And there were a lot of comments about, is it Luke Ford? Yes, yes, Luke Ford. And his, his waiver not being granted. Um, I, I don't know very much about that situation. Morally speaking, I feel like with his situation, he probably should have. But it's it's all very legal, right? Absolutely. Like, to make it a play fair, like a fair play field for everybody, um, I'm sure just just because of Chase not being able to like being promised a program and not being able to do that, I think that had a lot to do with Chase's waiver being. Um, like his his waiver going through, so. No, I think so too. I, I, I assume it's as as easy to understand and follow as like any legal legal document, right? Right. Any sort of, right? Not very. I wouldn't. I, I assume it's not very easy to understand. Well, yeah, because we still don't understand fully, or or maybe it's just myself, but I don't fully understand how his his got through when others were denied. I guess. College Football Daily will be right back. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. On to the news and the notable. USC Trojans leading rusher Vave Malapai is out for the season. In his absence, the Trojans are going to lean heavily on Marquis Stepp and Stephen Carr. Stepp is sort of a Lindale White, Redux big, bruising 235-pound running back. Stephen Carr is a former five-star recruit who was great as a freshman in 2017, has not done much since. Down in Louisville, Jawan Pass. Remember that injury he suffered in week two after playing pretty well in week one against Notre Dame? Well, he has not played since that week two game, and in fact, he's had toe surgery and will miss the rest of the season. In his absence, the Cardinals have pretty effectively played two quarterbacks. Probably going to see both Saturday against Clemson. West Virginia has had a bad year, bad season, had a really bad Tuesday. Wide receiver Tevin Bush entered the transfer portal. Linebacker Van Darius Cowan, a transfer from Alabama, is out for the season. And quarterback Austin Kendall is questionable for a game Saturday. That probably means a lot to him. A homecoming to Oklahoma where he was once Kyler Murray's backup. Speaking of the Sooners, tight end Grant Calcaterra is going to miss a second game Saturday against West Virginia. Did not suit up last week against Texas. One of the best tight ends in the country last year, Calcaterra has been slowed this season by a variety of issues. He has just five catches. Another tight end, Oregon's Jacob Breland, who actually leads the Ducks in receptions, yards, and touchdowns, is out for the season as well. 
Uh, you remember Oregon had all those wide receiver injuries this preseason. The Ducks play Washington on Saturday in a game that maybe decides the Pac-12 North. Finally, Vanderbilt Athletic Director Malcolm Turner was noncommittal about Derek Mason's future in a radio interview on Tuesday. The Commodores are 1-5, and, and in case you missed it, just lost at home to a very bad UNLV team. That's going to do it for today's episode of the College Football Daily. If you appreciate what we're doing, please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star rating and drop us a line in the reviews. For Connor Tapp and our producer, Tony Levitt, I'm Trey Scott. We'll see you Thursday for the next edition of the College Football Daily. Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles, now streaming only on Paramount+. Plus. Yes!